Hey, are you looking to upgrade your key life areas and evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness personal growth and spirituality in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which uniquely fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary self-growth and spiritual disciplines to deliver value-added tools, traits, and insights to help you unleash your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present, and let's dive in. Ladies and gentlemen, drum roll, please. Ladies and gentlemen, women and children, men, aliens and earthlings, <laughs> welcome to another episode of A Walk on the Wise Side. I'm Prash K from Urban Spirituality, and this fine and beaming lady to my left or right is the one and only Serafina Salvador. Let wow. me tell you a little bit about Serafina. Let me give you a glimpse into this accomplished and soulful person who sits. We are looking at a seasoned ex-banker, a dancer, an actor, a playwright, an author. Serafina has worn various hats over the past decade, hell, longer than a decade. Her latest successes include being the broadcaster of her own popular show, Date Your Ego and Marry Your Soul, and authoring a spiritual memoir of her life as a banker, which we shall hear about. She is also the brains behind Soul Cobbler, a powerful collective of wisdom online that we can tap into. So without further ado, please show your appreciation for the uniquely talented Serafina Salvador. Oh, wow. My God. Namaste to you. Namaste. That was uh, quite an introduction. Thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. I'm so pleased to be walking on the wise side. I think it's been a calling of mine for my whole entire life. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is a great show. So how are you feeling today? I'm pretty good. As I said, I had this episode in my day that really made my ego fall from kind of way up there right down. I don't think my ego was ever really like out of check badly, but it really hurt my ego. And I think the realization I walked away from that is that everybody needs to recognize and own and manage their ego. Nobody can leave it unchecked. If you leave your ego unchecked, just like you leave your mind unchecked, you are walking down a path filled with treacherous creatures ready to bite you in the ass. And so I think it's important for us all to take that. So I'm ready to be enlightened and share with this fantastic audience. Folks, thank you for joining Mitalesh Puja. So many of you are joining in. Welcome. Serafina, how have you been and what's been What's been occupying your mind and time of late? Well, uh, Prash, I've just uh, come off uh, performing act one of my next play. Um, as you know, most of my plays are philosophical and based on spiritual truths that find their base in Eastern philosophy, but Western life. The first one was um, on blame, because I haven't finished writing about blame. I do think blame is one of the most 
useless emotions we could feel. Wow. And um, the first one was don't blame the bank as stupid. And it's all about addressing the divide in society between left and right wing and reminding people that we all actually just people and humans first. So get over yourselves in a way, get over your egos and embrace your souls. And the second one, which I was just referring to is called don't blame the parents stupid. Don't blame the parents stupid. Okay. <laughs> that's a big one. That's a big one for everyone. Um, Cause we all do that, right? I mean, how many of us put your hands up clicking right now? How many of us, think our parents are the cause of our suffering and our challenges yeah. and what we've not achieved in our life. I mean, how many of us can relate to that? So many, I'm sure. I mean, parents, uh, you know, Louise Hay, a, a philosopher I follow and who's very famous and who's loved the world with her work, often said that we are all victims of victims. So I, actually, I was going to put that question to your audience, you know, do you guys agree we're all victims of victims, ultimately, that our parents actually drive us in the directions that we find ourselves in, whether it's a banker, whether it's a lawyer, doctor, wife, sad, happy. Somehow, you know, when you go on that therapist chair or counselor's chair, the first thing I want to talk about, okay, tell me about your childhood. Now, where did you grow up? What happened? And then, you know, it's sort of like ingrained within us. And, right. and um, yeah, I don't know if anyone sort of said anything, but I found from my research on the, about the play and from performing just act one, that it proved so popular because everybody blames their parents. And I'm going in the opposite direction and saying, don't blame the parents, stupid. And so we're going to find out how this does next year on the theater circuit. So that's what I've been up to on the creative side um, at the moment. And on the philosophical side, oh my God, I've been meeting so many wonderful people through my show, Date Your Ego, Marry Your Soul on, you know, iTunes. And actually I've been putting together these ego quizzes that okay. I don't know if your audience would be interested in. But to do a live show like this, to ask people, how well do you know your ego? So, yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell, creative and philosophical. Well, look, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to come back to that quiz, actually, um, in a little while. So maybe uh, let's, let's pause that part there and let's bring that in. Folks, we're going to get you warmed up here. And I think uh, let us know who's down for playing the quiz. Show us some love and likes. And put me a yes or a yes or a hell yes. And we will have Serafina play a quiz with us. I think that would be awesome. We've never had a quiz before, so that'll be fun. Serafina, let me have you rewind the clock a little bit. Because the Serafina that's sitting in front of us now, glowing, ivory skin, you know, all relaxed with her hand under her chin, is not necessarily the Serafina who roamed trading floors in London some time ago. So take us back a little bit. Give us a little bit about your heritage first because you've got such an awesome and unusual name and you've got this Eastern Western thing going on and then how you got into banking. Yeah, sure. So um, I am Indian by birth and I was raised, my mom actually uh, decided to give up material life and moved to India in the 80s. And right. She went to live, you know, um, 
the monastic lifestyle. So she kind of embraced right. simplicity and altruism. And she's been running a school for poor children ever since for 25 years. And my wow. father's sort of the complete opposite businessman, comes from um, a moneyed family, never has money, has lots of family problems. It's like the drama of all dramas, the Italian drama, it's all there, you know? And so I, okay. come, I, come, I come mixed from these two elements of spirituality and materialism. And um, yeah, I think when, when a child grows up in an environment like that, you're so, uh, you're so aware of how important money is in the world, this world that we live in. But at the same time, you're also brought up with this beautiful value that actually the only thing that matters is the happiness in your heart. So you kind of go off into the world wanting to achieve and express yourself. For sure. At this stage, I think everyone's still finding their ego. In our early 20s, we're still finding our ego, really. We have some sort of an idea of our ego, but then it's only when you get a job, you get a career that you fully begin to understand or even identify with your ego. Right. So that led me to the world of JP Morgan, Merrill Lynch, RBS, fixed income derivatives. It's always good at math. FID, FID, yeah. I used yes. to work in those areas. <laughs> And it was all about, you know, getting the salary and making the numbers and getting the 10 bucks and the 20 bucks and talking to big swing dicks and, you know, the city oh, life. But never actually wanting any of the comforts or the, or the luxuries that came with it. So it was a, a mixed bag for me, really. And then... That's what led me after 10 years to finally quit and be like, hey, listen, this isn't me. So I'm going to go on to doing more exciting things. I didn't right. know what, but. Okay. Yeah. What was your tipping point? I, I, I'm always curious to know when people have their tipping points, when they have that kind of moment, either it's an epiphany, right? And I think we've talked about this before. You know, what was your <laughs> epiphany moment? Uh, that caused you to say, wait a minute, what am I doing in this career, in this investment banking field, earning good money, uh, having gr crushing my day job or whatever you were doing, and then to say, wait a minute, I think I need to stop here. I think I need to take a radically different direction in my life. I think, you know, of course, the incident that you and I uh, discussed pushed me over the edge and made me take that jump. but. What really brought it home for me was the fact that by the time I was 31 years of age, I had become the perfect version of what I'd call the uh, soulful type A. I okay. still sort of carried out my traditions that I learned, um, you know, at the Vedic school or even meditation that my mother had taught me. And I was kind of dabbling in and out of philosophy, but I was just, I was just the perfect, I was married back then to my childhood sweet, sweethearts. I was the perfect wife, the perfect banker, dressed really well, always had my nails done, was making 10 bucks, you know, it was just hear that. too perfect for me. <laughs> wow. 
And and the reason okay. I say it was too perfect is because actually it showed it did it wasn't something I admitted to myself. It showed up for me. Mm. I had a, a health condition that when unrecognized, I was in the best hospitals. Nobody knew what had happened. I had swollen lymph nodes from top to toe. Uh, they thought I had lymphoma wow. and leukemia. So and I was like, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, hang on, I cannot walk up a flight of stairs. What have I done? I have only made right decisions, you know, LSC, JP, Merrill, New York, whatever. All my decisions are very sensible. So what what has caused this? And then that's when the turning point came where I was like, uh-uh, I'm not going to go down this path. I'm right. not going to be this person that ends up on a hospital bed. Yeah. I'm going to actually try and sleep well at night. And that was the tipping point where I said, okay, something needs to be done here. Something needs to change, right. Yeah. And that, and, and that was the genesis of the walking away from that career, that, that life that you knew into something scary? Was it scary? Was it, you know, did, was there a sense of trepidation and uncertainty that you had to somehow contend with? Yes, I mean, you know, we began talking about the ego. So I'll say my ego was very safe in that world. Mm -hmm. My ego was well-fed, well-supported. I was able to put people down that I that needed putting down. I was able right. to, you know, just dismiss people when I needed to. Yeah. Uh, so my ego was really safe there. And I think there was obviously a very deep calling for me to actually pick my ego up and throw it in deep water. and then see if I could swim. I always liked right. it anyway. So, yeah. I love that. So, so, so take us through a little bit of the, the recent journey that you've had since that time, because you, 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 you're, you're kind of one of those people who don't just dabble in one thing. <laughs> you have just multiple interests. So, you know, I, somehow you managed to synthesize all that experience and wisdom. And then this whole play idea came about and then, there's a book idea and, and you're writing and you know, you're creating other stuff. Tell us a little bit about that. I think that one of the things that happens to each and every one of us human beings, when we sort of take our ego and throw it in the deep end is we begin to discover things about ourselves and um, who the person that I discovered was Julia Cameron. And for, and for anyone listening or watching who has a passion for writing or expressing themselves or who is stuck as an artist, um, you know, I would strongly advise you to look up Julia Cameron. If it's one, if there's one thing you leave with from this whole interview and chat, look up Julia Cameron. And it was a book all about releasing the blocked artist in you. And I was a blocked artist mainly because of my father and his expectations of me. And, you know, the world of money is very confusing. It keeps you safe, but it also uh, puts a lot of pressure on you. So when I began expressing myself and began redefining my ego, or even studying my ego, even becoming aware of it, I realized that there are two expressions to each of us as human beings. One is the most sort of deeper expression and one is the more superficial expression two sides two sides basically two sides to us and i was obviously going from a very ego-led life 
to something. I didn't know what it was. Right. And so when I got there, I realized, oh, okay. So I used to love rapping as a kid. It was something my teachers didn't like. I loved rapping. So I right. said, okay, this is how I'm going to express my pain that my ego feels because I'm de-egoing. There's a lot of pain that comes from de-egoing. Yeah. And so that's how my pain got expressed. But at the same time, all of my philosophy came back and I began practicing Buddhism. And that also found release through writing. So my writing became twofold, creative and philosophical. And that's why I have these two balls in the air constantly. And I'm trying not to be a banker about it now. You know, I'm trying not to have all those posts going out very efficiently and doing this and doing that. People only hear from me once a week when I have a show. And that's about it. I'm not going to be a banker about being a soul cobbler. That's just defeating the purpose. Right. So, yeah, that's two balls in the air at the moment. And then you've got your own show, of course, um, that you're just describing. You're putting out episodes there. And I think, um, let me ask you this. How important do you feel it is in in the changing landscape, certainly technology-wise, for having content that is consumable in an audio or a video way like we're doing here? Because the sense that I get is people like you and I who are perhaps avid readers when we were young, um, not everybody resonates with reading these days. It seems like society is heading in a direction where they want to consume media on the go and that audio and video based media is a great way to absorb knowledge as well as absorb rubbish, right? I mean, this is the thing. It's a double-edged sword. We can binge watch with Netflix or we can nourish ourselves with shows like this and podcasts that you and I are running, stuff like that. What, what's your take on that? Well, I think for me personally, audio is the way, has been the way, and is the way forward. Just because uh, we have so many passions and interests as human beings, and we do live in the 21st century. And if you live in the 21st century in a busy city, chances are you don't have much time. Right. Chances are you're going to have to dip into your own um, bliss whenever you get a chance, whether that's when you're driving, which is what happens with me, whether that's when you're walking somewhere, whether, whether that's when you're running an errand, whether that's when you're lying exhausted on your bed. So for me, I think audio is great. And when I'm actually speaking to people on this laptop through this mic, I'm actually expressing from my heart. So whatever people are listening to is coming from my heart. You know, there's no contamination. There's no editor they're going oh that won't sell well you know change this around right i could do with an editor i could do with an editor and it would be great to have a producer too but what i'm saying is if people are in for the genuine stuff and if they're willing to go looking for it i think audio is definitely my preferred version and i think it's going to become people's preferred version over video even because time is people haven't got time (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Time is short and then people are lacking the patience to read stuff. Consuming wisdom in this way is so important. And talking wisdom, let me ask you, and folks, I know you're joining in as you're joining in here at the moment. Welcome and hop onto this fantastic dialogue where we're going to dissect a little bit and understand and 
take a look underneath the bonnet of what makes the ego tick. What is the architecture of the ego and what is there to learn? And before we figure out how we can handle and manage our ego, I think, Serafina, I would indulge you in helping us with a definition of sorts. Uh, what yeah. is the ego? Um, you know, what are we talking about here? Because it's not the mind it's, and it's not the intellect. It's, it, it's not the soul. It's not, it's not the Atma. What are we talking about? So I think I really like uh, a number of definitions of the ego, right? But I think uh, the one that I'm going to talk about today is that uh, the part of me, this is by Byron Katie, by the way. And she says that the part of me that I recognize as me mm -hmm. is my ego. And the part of you that you recognize as you is your ego. And it really is that simple. You know, we all have an identity. In fact, the word ego in Greek, uh, I know from my Greek lessons means I. Mm. And the ego is all that you believe yourself to be and all that you believe everyone else to be. And in fact, if you go a little deeper into Buddhism or any Eastern philosophy, it will tell you the whole world is an ego. The whole mm. world, the projection of this world is an optical illusion that is created by the ego. Uh, because of our energy vibration, we recognize with the optical illusion or we don't. In right. fact, Ramana Maharshi says, you know, there is no I. There just is. Hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's just about, I think, choosing the definition that works for you because... It can get, it can really mess with your mind. Without an ego, we wouldn't be talking here today. You wouldn't be Prash. I wouldn't be Serafina. We wouldn't right. be having a discussion. There wouldn't be people tuning in. So I think that, I think everything that I identify as me is ego and everything you identify as you is ego. I like that. I, let me share you my, my kind of take on it. I, I have a view on that as a kind of, kind of working concept that I have, which is like, I, 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 using the metaphor of a computer, you know, I see that we have the software on a computer is like, so the body, the physical casing of the computer, the plastic, the metal that makes it up, that's like the body, right? That's like our body. I see the software that runs on it as the conscious mind. And then I see the subconscious as our, the hard disk. You know, the hard disk is our subconscious mind. The software is our conscious mind. And then we have this, you know, you have this interface. We all have an interface on our computer, the interface or the skin. On our cell phones, we have these skins or interfaces. And I see that as our ego. It's our identity. It's what we consider that makes us us. It's that part of us that if we take that away, there is no us, you know, we don't know who we are without that thing. It's our self-concept. It allows us to have that identity. And therefore I see that as our skin or our interface on the computer. And that interface is always interacting with the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, our self-concept, and obviously working through the senses, which are the interfaces, the, the inputs and outputs of your computer, right? The USB slots and the monitor and the screen, you know, that's how you interact with the world. So I kind of use this analogy on the computer to say, this is what we are, man. Um, and, and just like any computer has bugs and challenges, we have challenges. Our, our, our identity gets mixed up and messed up at times and it gets hurt. Um, and that's what I want to throw back to you. Uh, if we're if, if, having thus described the ego, what 
role does the ego play in our life beyond Mm. that is the question i think um i loved your way of describing um the ego in fact one of the things i write about in my book is our personal ios i think just like our cell phones okay nice you know, have an ios i think we all have a personal ios and i call upon people to upgrade this ios right so that they are they can get on with life in in, in all of its holistic aspects not just one sure. aspect but get on mm-hmm. with it in all of its holistic aspects yeah um and and listen the i think the ego ultimately wants to protect us mm-hmm. the ego ultimately wants to make us succeed it wants to do everything that we want for absolute but immediate happiness hmm. you know so it works you really hard as a result your ego will tell you yeah. no get up at don't get up at 8 get up at 6 go to the gym get that six pack so you'll get that girl or whatever or you get that modeling contract or wake up at i don't know odd hours and do meditation or take cold showers whatever it is your ego will drive you to become the best version of what it thinks you need to become so your ego is actually trying to serve you right so it's not it's the ego is not necessarily our enemy i think this is a fundamental kind of lesson here it's not it wasn't born to be our enemy can we say that no it wasn't born to be our enemy the 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 point at which it does become our enemy is when we become completely identified by it right oh identified with it rather it is the best servant and the worst master is what i say in my book your right. best servant worst master you know and i remember actually something from india that you know women used to say in households about servants they they would say that when you treat servants really well they sit on your head <laughs> it's kind of like i don't know why that came to my mind right but i found the whole thing so egoistic even as a right. child i was just like oh my god this is another human being at home but excuse me hello yeah but, but the ego is something like that it is your best servant but it is your worst master and that's when it becomes dangerous how can we cultivate good habits that will allow us to ascertain when we're over identifying with our ego or letting it become our master as opposed mm. to servant mm. i think that uh, i would have to have achieved enlightenment 15 times over to answer that question really <laughs> how, how have you managed to do it in your in your journey of recent times uh, but, through, you know, through your stages I, of progressive enlightenment yeah i know I, i mean i would say that the 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 most simplest habit you can start to cultivate right now is to understand that the ego is a part of you and that's it 
there's a lot more to you. Mm -hmm. I think that's the simplest starting point for each and every one of us. Your ego, what you look at in the mirror, what you think people think of you, right. how you act, how you talk, where you go. You know, all of these things are only a part of you. There's a lot more to you. You're actually an iceberg. You're the, you're the et epitome of an iceberg. You know, what you show to the world and what you operate it's, with. It's like that. That much of you. Right. And then, and then, and then the thing that, the, the reason that becomes confusing is because the ego also has the super ego. And the super ego is such a goody goody. So the reason I was a bit hesitant on the habits is because the super ego loves habits and will make you the best, the best yogi and the best, uh, I don't know, what is, you know, with that talk that you took me to will make you the best vegetarian or the best whatever. Right. And it will drive you insane because in either direction, there is no happiness. There is no happiness if you go with the ego or with the superego. You got to just always be with yourself and be driving these two things rather than letting any one of them drive you. So I think the habit is you are more than your ego. Recognize that. Become aware of it every day in everything that you do if let me let me give you an example here if i was in a situation where my ego was hurt because i felt you know a peer a friend a family member said something or acted in a such a way that i felt insulted and this happens, you know, how many of us can relate to this, folks? How many of you have been hurt? Put your hands up if you've been hurt and your egos have been damaged, right? I mean, all of us. All of us. <laughs> all of us. Our egos have always been knocked or dented. Surely some point in our lives. How have, what have you learned in the recent years that has uh, empowered you to deal with that hurt? Um, well, actually something happened how many days ago now? 3rd of October happened 20 days ago. For some reason, my, um, and this is very intimate, but I do think that the most intimate stories make for the most interesting listening. So 20 days ago, my father decided to just stop talking to me. Okay. And um, I cannot tell you how much that hurts me on not just an ego level, but a soul level. Right. Uh. Right. Oh my God. And I have a spiritual practice. I practice Tonglen, which is a breath where you breathe into the suffering, you accept the suffering and you breathe out peace. It's kind of like the opposite, but what, what the reason I brought it up is because it is such genuine hurt that I'm going through that I had to actually apply all of my teachings, bring all of my strength together. And all it taught me was that when your ego is hurt, all you can do is cry it out, accept it, release it, understand it. And then, you know, it's actually something, I think Krishna said this in the Gita, that when someone, or not Krishna, but when someone hurts you, Send yourself immense amounts of compassion and love 
heal yourself, accept the pain as your karma. But don't respond in the same way. And right. with family, that becomes so difficult because all I want to do is literally, you know, say, how the fuck could you do that? I'm your daughter, you know, this, I mean, it doesn't yeah. get closer than I that. Mean, it you just, can't even compute that. You know, and for, for a daughter, you, you know, a father is like everything. Right. And, and it's just beyond the comprehension of my poor heart that sometimes with family, when the pain gets so much, or even with friends, the pain gets so much, you finally become aware of your self-protective mechanism that is very much present all the time as your soul. Your soul will come embrace you and tell you that it's, it's not worth it. You're made for more. You can move on. And it's such an opportunity to send yourself and tune into the love that is there in the world to repair yourself and move beyond it, you know, because everything prepares you for the next thing, you know? And so, you know, it, it was, it's, it's also coincidental that you asked me this question and I was thinking about it while I was swimming this evening and about how hurt I was. And I was talking to my siblings and being like, this is not on, blah, blah, blah. But completely, that is, that is our role, you know, as uh, people who are trying to do a better job than what we, what we are called upon to do by other human right. beings, unfortunately, sometimes. So I guess I, I think in there, there's a lesson that, and this is a recurring theme that we need to learn to l attach less importance to what other people are around us think of us and listen to our heart more. And this is a common theme, right? I mean, the more we ascribe and delegate or exonerate others about opinions of us, then we're almost, the more we disempower ourselves from taking control and the more we, you know, relinquish that control over ourselves. And I think it's natural when you're with talking about family, it's absolutely natural. You naturally don't want to be in a situation where you're at loggerheads with family members. It's nobody likes that. But the more you attach yourselves to that situation, the more your ego gets hurt and the more your mind just starts wandering, right? I mean, that's kind of how it is. You have some family tiff and you really feel hurt about it because the associations you've had, the, the connections you've had with them. Is there anything that you mentioned um, a breathing practice? Are there any other types of things that you perhaps have learned that could help one from kind of di dissolving that sting that happens? You talked about crying and, you know, allowing the emotion to work through us um, rather than letting our ego take a really massive hit we absorb it and let it come through us. What else might we be able to do to help lessen the attack on our ego? I think because the pain in this instance was so strong and whenever the pain caused to the ego or um, your heart is so large, I tend to get very scientific. So I go for emotional freedom technique or right. tapping. And it will literally, yeah, I start with my karate chop point and I'm like, even though my dad is being. Whatever it is. Yeah. 
I fully and completely love and appreciate myself. And I start here. I start here and I, you know, wait until I'm ready. And then I go here, go here. Oh, sorry, I missed one point. Go here, go here, go here, 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 and here. And then finally on the head. And when I've done this cycle about three times, for me personally, I have a release of pain, of emotional pain that I, I hold my emotional pain here in the center of my chest. You know, people hold it in different parts of their bodies. And that's actually one of the things I talk about in my book mm-hmm. and in the ego quiz. When you get to know your ego better, you'll know where it puts, your, put, puts its stress in your body. Mine sits in the center of my chest and mine is very emotional. And I think a lot of people might identify, I don't know, people put your hands up or give us likes, that when you have troubles with family, they tend to be quite emotional. Hmm. I know I do, you know, whenever I have a trouble, I have a problem with family members, it's always very emotional for me. Um, Because I tend to give family a lot of importance. Um, So with emotions, I think they can get trapped in different parts of the body and emotional freedom technique helps untrap them. So I would really recommend that to people because of just the amount it's helped me. So that's powerful. I've, and I've made a note of that folks check the comments and I've added EFT uh, as, as the acronym in its explanation there. Serafina, you touched on the idea for quiz. Let's do a little quiz, shall we, while you're here. I'm excited. Okay. So, Serafina, guide us through. Folks, get ready. Serafina is going to take us through a little emotional, uh, sorry, an ego quiz. An ego quiz. An ego quiz. So this is a quiz I came up with while I was sitting on the poolside of a private members club. And everybody was in their bikinis, being very cool, wearing their shades and drinking their vodka cocktails. And I couldn't drink because I'm pregnant. And so I was just sitting there in my pregnant bathing suit and watching all these people. And it was lovely. It was great fun. But I sat in this place quite a few times and I felt like, what are the five indications that your ego has taken charge of your life? Come on. They're quite obvious. And they're right here in front of me. In front of you right there. So these were just five. Poolside, baby, poolside. And this is applicable at a bar, on a trading right. floor. This is applicable. In a crowded here. room on a dating on a dating night, right, folks? Dating night, singletons at listening in. Yes, you know, especially at the club, you know, where everyone's dressed up. So Strutting their stuff. Yes. So I think you just need to ask yourself these five questions and hopefully you'll be able to tell you, uh, you'll be able to know if your ego's taken charge or not, you know? So the first thing is no deviations allowed. Now we know everyone has a routine when they go out. They have a way of wearing their hair, their clothes, their perfume. They have a way of standing. Right. They have a way of speaking to the manager, this, that. Everything is pretty much set. Not as an act, but that's just how you are. And yeah. that's how you show up. So what happens to you when there is a deviation to this routine? What happens to you if all of a sudden, I don't know, the maitre d' 
rejects you or says, sorry, we don't have a table. Or that girl that you're trying to buy a drink, you know, was checking you out, but now isn't. And how do these deviations affect you? So that's the first one. How do deviations to your fly plan is what I wrote. You know how you act fly. Yeah. Deviations to your fly plan. How do they affect you? You know, are you cool? Are you just, you just wing a new plan or are you just totally thrown off and you just go to your best friend? I need to leave. We need to get out of here. Or, you know, what happens to you and you become a pain to hang around. So that's the first one, deviations. The second one is attention is your oxygen tonight. If nobody, nobody likes being ignored, but we all know when we're standing in a group, a circle that usually forms at a bar or whatever, people tend to check each other out. You know, there's this energy going back and forth. What actually happens to you when, when that attention is not being paid to you? Nice. Okay, how do you react? How do you react? Do you flip out? Do you, do you just That's roll right. with it and say like, you know, this is a great way. I'm liking this. I'm really liking this because you're right. You know, somebody, if you're, used to, if you're used to having a certain thing and your swagger and your behavior and your, the way you operate in society and people around you is a certain way. And when that's not happening, you're not getting that attention that you normally get or expect, even at a basic level. How do you respond and how you respond? I guess what you're saying is it's proportional to how well you have your ego in check or not. Yeah. Or I how- love that. How much your ego is in control of you. You know, yeah, how much ego, ego is in control, control of you. If your ego is in control of you, so far, points one and two would have you in a sweat, would have you, you know, in a tiff. You'd be telling totally. people, you will not be having a good time and you'd be like, totally. Get out of here. I need yeah. to, eat. you know, so the, the first two. Okay. No deviations. Attention is oxygen. Attention is oxygen. And the third one is you manipulate to survive the situation. Nobody likes being called a manipulator. No one is a manipulator. Your superego will never tell you you're a manipulator. You're, you're the epitome of class and elegance. You hmm. don't have to be yourself. But when you're thrown in a sticky situation, do you manipulate to survive? You all of a sudden have an errand you remember or do you all of a sudden have this headache oh my god you have to sit down or do you all of a sudden need a friend to come i don't know give you extra attention because you're feeling so uncomfortable are you going to start manipulating to survive this little i don't know ego mess that you find yourself in if you find and it's very sneaky it's very sneaky totally agree yeah if you find yourself telling your best friend you know, come, let's just, let's just move to the corner. So I don't want to be here. He's talking to her or whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever. We all do it. You know, you know, we all do that even with family, right? Sometimes we don't want to be at a family. We don't want to be in in, in or around a certain family situation scenario. And then we start kind of manipulating the situation. I'm not really well. I, I don't want to be here. I'm pregnant. Sorry. I'm sorry. And, and, and all of that is, you know, just basically ways to get out of a sticky situation. Or do you say, you know what? I don't like this particular family gathering. I don't like 
those individuals, but they represent a part of my fabric. My parents liked them or yeah, whatever allegiances are there, acknowledge the allegiance and say, you know what, I'm going to put aside the discomfort and I'm going to override my discomfort by my desire to fulfill my duty and my integrity to the people I care for. And I'm going to go there. And that's, I guess, the spectrum in that one, right? Right there that, you know, how, how much integrity does your ego have? Are you in integrity filled or manipulation filled? Yeah. And, and it's, it's this whole thing. I mean, when we come to the end of the quiz, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it all is meant to do to you, but okay. So number one, how do deviations affect you? Number two, is attention your oxygen? Number three, do you manipulate survived right. comfort? Number four, do you want what is not yours? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Folks, I hope you're listening in. Get your, get your responses coming in here. I hope people are listening and being honest. <laughs> Make notes, folks. Number four, do you want what is not yours? And, and there's no harm in desiring things, right? But when you want it just because it's not yours, then that's like destructive territory. And that car or that house or that mortgage or that mortgage freeness that often, you know, tempts us. Right. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it's not the mortgage, it's the, uh, the mortgage freeness. Yes, yes. <laughs> so do you want what's you're, not You're pressing yours? some uncomfortable buttons here, Seraphine. I'm kind of feeling all prodded and poked here. Look, here, here. <laughs> Well, this is great this was a walk on the wise side this is uh, yes <laughs> a walk on the wise side and the uncomfortable side which is what's needed yes all right number five number five come on and number five finally is you have no time you have no time you're so overwhelmed you know you have to get to work and then you have to do this and then you have to do that and you know it's just that you cannot even survive picking up your phone and you're like, mom, please, can you not do this? You're, you're so overwhelmed with this right. fortunate life that, you know, 0.01% of the world gets to live. You have no time. So if any of these are a yes for you, your ego is in charge and sweethearts, your ego is taking you for a ride. Your wow. ego has 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 actually made you believe that you are great only if you achieve only if you have these things you know and 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 that's it's just very simple it's very simple you don't you don't fully get it because it's so subtle but this is a great ego quiz i love it i'm sitting in that members club and i was like my god everyone here love that in this little maze, <laughs> the ego is right. just them going round and round it, you know? So, yeah. Folks, I totally... <laughs> I, folks, you're going to have to take this one home. Um, Serafina, do you mind if I capture this and share this in the comments? Because I think it's just priceless, you know? Um, give, yes, let's give people a chance to do the quiz, right? And let's see what kind of responses we get in the chat. Folks, we're going to add this... Let's start seeing some responses come up. We want some yeses and nos and kind of honesty. Seraphine, I, that's gold. That's gold. Let's use it. I love that. I love that. Um, okay. Uh, as we head towards a close, mm -hmm. I want to 
I want to then put this to you. Let me give you a couple of scenarios. All right. Um, I'm 25. I'm a high performing or I'm 30 and I'm a high performing female executive in a company full of men and they're all ballsy and they're all on my case and I really want to strive in this world and these guys are just jerks and I want to prove them wrong. <laughs> if I have to tame my ego. How am I going to do that? Surely I need a strong ego to survive in a room full of shark-like men. Well, you're just talking to the old me, aren't you? And I think the <laughs> The, the, the added, the added um, uh, I think the added quality to all of that is most of those men want to hit on you. I want to see if they can get away with it, you know? So how do you operate in that environment without, what was the, how did you frame it without? With, with, you know, how can you operate in that environment while somehow still taming your ego? You know, how can I possibly try to keep my ego in check when I need a, an ego this big to deal with all the other people who got egos that big? Otherwise, my ego will just shrink and I'll be a nobody, surely, in, 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 a, in a world with people like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, just going from the quiz, when people invite you to become an egomaniac, you do the opposite. And that's how you win. That's how Very you win. In a room full of egomaniacs, be a Buddha, you know? Nice. I love that. In a room full of egomaniacs, be a Buddha. Be a soul cobbler in a room full of maniacs. And I did it. I know that there were women who were getting lots of opportunities by, you know, flirting with the bosses and even dating some and even women who were becoming really macho, becoming like men or... But then I also recognize there's this whole breed of women that actually just outsmart men on math. And that's what I chose. So there was this guy who was a complete asshole to me who, you know, we made our peace later, but right. he had been brainwashed into being this city asshole. I don't think he really was. And so he thought that maybe to learn the pricing or the modeling or whatever, I would somehow be nice to him or whatever. Right. And I told him, up yours, I got this and I got my own clients and I made my own money. And guess what? I mean, nothing went wrong. People think that if you take the opposite direction to what society expects you to take, things will go wrong. No, they actually work out. So Love I that. do think, yeah, I do think in a room full of egomaniacs, be the so Buddha. Be, be the, the soul Buddha. cobbler. Yeah, be the Buddha. Be the soul cobbler. Love that. Love that. L let me just touch on that. What Describe the soul cobbler. What is, what is the essence of a soul cobbler and how can we embrace that in our lives? I think we all arrive on planet Earth uh, consciously. And it is a decision we make on a soul level. Hmm. And the reason we come onto planet earth is to repair something in our souls. Right. I, I use this analogy in my book and it's based on the author of the autobiography of a yogi, Paramahamsa Yogananda, who I consider my guru and whose teachings I study all the time. Phenomenal. Um, 
he says in that, and it's his explanation that prompted this thought in my mind, and it's in my book. So picture a building, a really tall building up there in space, and every floor has souls in it. Every floor has souls in it. And the higher the floor, the more evolved the soul. Right. Okay? Okay. Now, if, I want to, if I'm a soul in this building and I want to go from ground to penthouse, I got to evolve my soul to penthouse level. So I, as a soul, all powerful, have this entire universe to choose from. Which planet am I going to go to so I can evolve my soul from ground floor to penthouse? To penthouse. And I think that is what we come to Earth for. Earth is one of the most courageous schools, and it's getting even more difficult with time. Surviving on planet Earth is becoming tougher and tougher and tougher. So I think if we all wake up and realize that we're all here to cobble our souls, to repair our souls, right. we'll make wiser decisions. We'll make more authentic choices. And, and if you embrace that ideology, you become a soul cobbler. Like a shoe cobbler repairs a shoe, a soul cobbler repairs, repairs soul. souls. So. Love that. I love that so much. That is just such a beautiful analogy. So to, such a beautiful analogy. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> Serafina, I, there's so much wisdom here that you've been sharing. I, for those of us who want to hear more, learn more, tell us about this book that's in the wings at the moment. So um, my journey with the book is still ongoing. I obviously shared with you that I started the year submitting the book proposal to Hay House and it wasn't a suitable fit for them. And I'm really glad it wasn't um, because now I have so much more to say and it's taking a new form. So there is the podcast, Date Your Ego, Marry Your Soul, which is essentially the core of my message. You know, and the book is going to be along those lines and following that philosophy. But as I even shared with you on today's show, which is so coincidental, I'm also looking and writing about, um, don't blame the parents, stupid, but on a philosophical level. Right. You know, how being a child and being a victim of a victim is actually a a path to spiritual awakening. So there are again two aspects. I don't know somehow my life seems to be divided into two aspects. Maybe it's the source. My mom and dad are so different. So that is what the books are going to be about. And there are two now because I've written one and I'm going to reshape that. And I feel like such a calling to write the next one. So that's where I'm at, Prash. Wish me luck. You have our, you have my luck and best wishes for the success because this kind of message needs to reach out. You're a city gal like I am. I'm, I don't kind of wear dresses, but you know, I'm a city guy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you're, yeah. A ci- you're a city creature. You're a creature of the city like I am. You've gone through an investment banking, banking background like, you know, like I have, and you've had the great 
boon of having been exposed to the oldest tradition on the planet, the Vedic culture, that civilization that dates back just in written form alone, 8,500 years, and which makes references to civilizations hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. That civilization which knew the exact distances between the planets, the astronomical nature of our universe, and so much more recognizing that we're from an advanced civilization and in some way maybe the tragedy is that we've devolved from a penthouse level taking your analogy and we've gone down so many floors from that great skyscraper in the sky in 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 space and we've descended to planet earth in order to cobble our souls to repair Well, you have to talk to me a bit more about the Vedic culture. You know, you have to come on my show. We have it would be a pleasure. I'm, I'm looking forward to being on your show. And folks talking about shows, we have a fantastic full-length episode of Serafina on the Urban Spirituality Podcast, which I will share the link to below. You'll be able to check it out free, for all you good Jews, out there on iTunes, on Google on Android, you'll be able to listen to it. It's like the richest people in England. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're rich in culture as well. They're rich in culture. They are, yes, they are. (laughs) Big shout to all the good Jews listening, guys. Um, And everyone else, of course. Um, Yeah, look, we definitely should share that with the audience. We've got a a fantastic podcast that you've done with us in Urban Spirituality. We'll share that. I want to summarize the points that we've just been through on this. I made a couple of notes, folks, listen in. Blame. It's a useless game. Else, of course. Um, number yeah. one. So I got that. Blame. It's a useless game. Number two. We're all victims of victims. Identify that and break the cycle. Share that with the audience. We've got it. The ego is our best servant and our worst master. We need to learn to protect and against our over-identification with the ego. I'll say that again. We need to learn to protect against over-identification with our ego. We are much more than our ego. We need to recognize that. The ego loves habits. Check your habits before they wreck you. And finally, use the ego quiz, Serafina's ego quiz, regularly to check and keep your ego in place and tame that ego. Especially at bars. Especially at bars and dating clubs. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Folks. uh, All right. Serafina, quick fire rounds. I'm going to throw you a few last questions. A little fun. And let's see how you roll. Are you ready? Favorite color? Red. And why? Why, 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 why? Just any why or just red? Passion. Passion. Okay. Passion for living. Love that. City living or country life? Country life. Absolutely. Any day. If you, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? And what would you do? If there weren't as many earthquakes, I would move to Bali. And okay. I would just run Soul Cobbler. I would do what I'm doing. Soul Cobbler, baby. I'm down <laughs> with you. Okay. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, what would it be? And what would you do with it? Ah, my superpower would have to be to be able to pick up my ego and cradle it like a little baby till it fell asleep. Oh, that's so sweet. I would be the ego cradler. You would be the ego cradler. Love that. My last question. What one piece of advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? 
chill out more, drink wine, and party more. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> chill out more, okay. I didn't do enough of it. I just didn't do enough of it, you know? And now I'm this responsible person who's about to be a mom, and I'm just like, damn it. <laughs> damn it. That was it. That was prime time. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm sorry it wasn't, it wasn't as wise. But. It, it, it is what it is supposed to be. And what you say at this time and space, it is true. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Serafina, we're going we're gonna to look forward to catching you on our live podcast that we did on Urban Spirituality. That'll be out there. I can't wait to check in with you on Date Your Ego, Marry Your Soul. That's going to yeah. be some real fun. We look forward to Don't Blame the Parents Stupid coming, yeah. to a, coming somewhere near to a theater near you. Watch out, folks. I'm sure it'll come in time. We'll have you back on the show before that happens. We'll talk about that. And folks, last but not least, I have special news. We are running a competition, a very special competition. It started already tonight the winner of which will get half price on our incredible retreat to Tuscany next week. Back in the next week, you can be with us in the Chianti Hills, enjoying yoga, meditation, personal transformation, soul cobbling, martial arts, mantras, and art exhibitions in this incredible place in the mountains for your chance to get half price and just come for a couple of hundred pounds you got to do two or three simple things. One, like this page. Go like Serafina's page too, Soul Cobbler. Yes. Number two, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which we've just launched. And there's some good stuff on there already. There's a few surprise things on our YouTube channel, some great old mantra therapy music as well. Go subscribe, like the mantra therapy page, get a screenshot of your subscription and submit it back to us. And we will do a random draw on Friday evening to announce the lucky winner of this incredible, incredible and priceless opportunity to join us in the mountains of Tuscany next week. So that's it from myself and Serafina. I'm delighted we've kept you longer. Indian timing, we've run over. It's Indian timing, baby. But we're so grateful that you, that, you, that you stayed with us. Being a mom, being a busy bee that you are, it's been really, really good to have you on the show. Uh, any last words or comments from you? Well, Prash, it's, you know, it's, I'm always, I know you didn't get this role because you were uh, outlandish or whatever, but I love your energy and I love how you put it into everything that you do and every conversation that you have. And really, that is all we're here to do on this planet. Put our energy into every conversation and every act. And you do it so selflessly. You should be really proud of yourself. You're totally dating your ego, but marrying your soul. Dude. <laughs> Thank you so much. I couldn't have asked for a better thing. Better thing. Thank you so much. Well, go to bed happy because you, <laughs> you, you do that so spontaneously, you know? It means a lot. And you know what? It takes all of us to make one of us. So let us continue to help one another and cobble one another's souls. A big shout out to all the great people who've been on, on this show listening. Pooja, Theta Healer, Extraordinaire, Mitilesh, our very own local shaman, 
a legend in his own right. And everybody else has tuned in and listened patiently. Gita, uh, Vaishali, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Sneha, of course, everybody who's been here. Real joy to have you guys. Team Serafina, it's been a pleasure to have you too. Let us cobble souls together and create some damage and disrupt the Muldrol Society's program to massacre our brains and let us tame our egos and conquer our souls once more. Peace out. Namaste. All right. Bye. Namaste. Hey, folks, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire, and empower you in your personal and spiritual journeys in life. As always, feel free to leave a little love through your ratings and comments, subscribe, and share it with those you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our unique events, workshops, or retreats, or taking advantage of our personal and professional coaching packages. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality, and we will catch you on the next episode.